And he's like, you're up, Joe, you're up, you're up. <laughs> uh, hey, guys, I'm Joseph. Um, we're going to have a great time this morning. <laughs> anyway, yes, my name is Joseph. You know, I don't know, anybody, I don't know everybody here anymore. And that's a good thing. There's tons of new people. I'm looking over. I see a, a lot of old friends, people that are like family to me. And then I see a lot of people I've never met before. And that is awesome. I love coming back here year by year because I get to see all the people that I don't know, get to meet them. But so I, since there are so many people here that, that I don't know, they don't know me, I would love to just quickly, uh, briefly introduce myself. Um, I moved to, uh, my name is Joseph. I moved to Norway in 2005 to help start our church in Bergen. It's on the west coast of Norway. And I was there for a year, but then I had problems getting a residence permit. So I couldn't, it was my dream to be able to stay there, to stay in Norway, to be able to help people become Christians there. Uh, it's a different culture. They're very skeptical, very atheistic. So it's, uh, it's a really difficult mission field, yet someone has to do the job. I felt like I, I, felt like I was being called to stay uh, in Norway, not just visit for a year. So so I did that, but then I had problems with my with my residence, as I said, and I couldn't stay. I had to stay. I had to stay in America and go to school for a year, in order to be able to be allowed back into the country and, and get a, a residence permit based on studies. So I had no idea what to do. I was back in LA, where I'm from, and I had no idea what to do. I just knew Geo, and so it was the World Cup 2006. I came over. We were going to watch a game, and Geo says, "Why don't you just stay here? Why don't you just come here to Shoreline?" Okay, so. That was the start of something beautiful. I, um, <laughs> I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll, you said, yeah, you could, I'll, you know, you work for the church, you know. I was, I was working for the church as an as a intern on campus trying to help people uh, become Christians at, uh, on the campuses around uh, Ventura County. I went to Ventura College and, uh, you know, doing some preaching on Sundays, you know, helping out leading the campus group, helping out with the singles. And what happened was it was, oh, it was quite a legendary time. I offended every person in this church. If you're new here, I don't think I've offended you yet. But if you know me, I have offended you in some way. Most likely multiple ways. Many ways. It could have been on stage right here. I offended many people from this pulpit, actually. Things I've said without thinking during you know, sermons or when I was leading songs or, you know... Or it might have just been when I came over to your house and uh, offended you. Uh, <laughs> that might have happened. Or maybe, you know, during the songs, we would have song practice. Maybe I offended you there at song practice. Why aren't you in tune? Come on! Be in tune! <laughs> Joseph thinks I'm bad at singing. You know, it was a lot of offending people. But, you know, we, became, we built a closeness. You know, it's, uh, you know, Jesus, he, he said, you know, who are my mother and my brothers? He points at the ones around him that were listening to him and that were prioritizing him, following him and, and, and loving God and said, these are, my, these are my mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. And I feel like here at Shoreline, I have fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers. That's why I, Gio doesn't have to convince me to come back here and, and talk to you guys every year. I, I do this on my own free will because I look at this as, as my home church. This is my home court. It's my home court. Tonight, I have home court advantage. Or tonight. I say tonight because we always have church at night. But home court advantage here in the morning. And um, <clears throat> I also wanted to quickly mention, I'm noticing this about fathers. I noticed that, you know, you need brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers in your church, right? It's very important. 
I think <laughs> what happened to me a lot is, uh, you know, I got a lot of fathers and mothers needing to help Joseph. I was 19 years old, needed to help this hilarious kid offending people all the time. So I got a lot of fathers and mothers helping me, instructing me, pulling me aside. Son, come over here. You're being super arrogant right now. <laughs> Son, you're offending everybody right now with your pride. Got to be humble. You know, but that's, that's good. But also, in all seriousness, I felt so loved here. I felt so respected here. And honestly, here's the way I would define my experience here. You guys, this church, collectively, not just Gio, who is very active in my life, not just him, though, but this church collective, collectively helped mold me from a child to an adult. And I am so grateful for this. And I have to tell you guys now, I plan on coming back here every year, at least every year, just to see you all. And if I can, if I can speak, if I can preach, that's great. But I just want to see everybody because of the way you've impacted my life. You've impacted Sunova's life. Uh, since then, I've gotten married. It's been a year. It's been a year and three months. Yes, let's clap for that. I got married. Woo! I got married. And so, uh, you know, there's even more lessons there. Then it's adulthood to like adulthood plus. I don't know what I would call it. But I had to change many things. <laughs> We're going to get to that. <laughs> We're going to get to that. Many things had to change. So let me tell you all just a little bit of good news from Bergen, Norway. Um, you know, I'm out there doing the same thing I was, I was doing here, trying to help students, you know, people around my age. I'm 25 years old, people around my age and younger, although we don't discriminate, uh, to, be <laughs> to become Christians. And that's a hard challenge in Norway. Like I say, you know, so many people just reject the, 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 Christian, the Christian ideal, if they would, they would probably call it the Christian ethics and morality or theology. They're super scientific out there. But, you know, it, the last, um, you know, we have 20 members in our church. It's not very many. Yet, the last semester, we met four people who became Christians. So that is four people. It's a, it's a battle. Every soul that's won in Norway, just like here, it's a battle. It's a victory for God, three of which are students of these four. So that's great. One couple got married yesterday. They were engaged to be married. We met them. They got baptized. And now they're getting married as Christians. They, they were living together. They said, nope, we, we can't do it. We're going to do this God's way from now on. They moved away from each other, you know, prioritized the relationships with the brothers, the sisters, got a lot of help. They got married yesterday after keeping it real, keeping it pure, doing it God's way. And I can tell you, wherever they are right now, they are inspired. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> inspired. So, <clears throat> as Gio said, we're going to talk about vulnerability. And that's, that's a, a topic that you actually, you don't find many verses on this topic in the Bible. But it is biblical, Okay biblical so we're going to talk about something that's in the bible it's just that it's hard to find you kind of have to dig for it and yet it is such an important theme and i'm going to i'm going to talk a little bit later about why i felt felt the need to, sh to to talk about this today we're going to get to that but think about the bible for a second the bible if, if you've read the bible you know that it's not what many people think it is that being a book of religious traditions and rules that you're supposed to follow. You know, say this prayer, do it in this position, 
go to church exactly on Sunday and then exactly on Wednesday, and then you give 10%, 10%. You know, it's not just a book of rules. It's a book about how to have great relationships, great relationships with each other. That's, that's the Bible. Although, of course, there are guidelines, there are standards that we ought to follow. But most of the time, it's about dynamic relationships, how to have great relationships with your wife, your husband, your best friends, people who aren't Christians, all the people in the church, uh, your parents, your children, etc. And so, lately I've been focusing on these things, these relationship things in the Bible, and it's really made a, a big difference in my life. The thing about vulnerability is, well, first let's define it. There's a certain type of vulnerability that's involuntary. For example, if you have any sort of illness, a chronic illness or disability, that puts you in a position of, of physical vulnerability that you can easily be harmed. But that's not, that's not what I'm going to be talking about. I'm talking about a voluntary vulnerability. I'm going to communicate in such a way that I am exposing my weakness. And there's a chance that I'm going to be hurt and rejected if I do this. Vulnerability literally means to be allowing yourself to be able to be hurt, actually. And it's not a naive vulnerability either. It's not, okay, someone's stealing from you all your Someone's stealing from you all the time, and at the same time you say, no, but my, my house is your house. Come in. I'm going to leave you here for, for the weekend while I go out of town. That's, that's a naive vulnerability. That's just letting someone steal all your things. I'm talking about in relationships, in your friendships, exposing your weakness, because it builds relationships and it heals relationships. That's what it does. We all have feelings. Yes, you do. You say, no, I don't. You do. You have feelings. You have weaknesses. You have a past. You were raised by people. You may not have been raised by anybody. You also may have been raised by people, parents. Your parents weren't perfect. You have wounds, maybe from your childhood, maybe from your friends that you grew up with, and maybe even in the church you have wounds from your brothers and sisters because we're not perfect. We build these really close relationships and what ends up happening? Since we're not perfect, we end up hurting each other. That's, that's what happens when you build a real closeness. You end up, you know, since you know, you're sinful, you sin against your brother or your sister. The question is, how do we deal with all of these things? You can either, as Geo, Geo thank you so much for sharing from your life. You know, you could put up a wall. You could put up a wall. You can hide what's really happening in your heart. And what's going to happen is your relationships aren't going to heal. You're never going to be close to anybody. And you're never going to have the opportunity to take steps forward from your pain. Or <clears throat> you can choose to expose your weakness, communicate it in a healthy way. That heals relationships and brings us closer than we would have ever been otherwise. It's a blessing to have weakness because it brings us closer together when we're real about it. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this. We're, that was the introduction. Now we're going into uh, the main point here. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 26. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm having a little bit of congestion problems. I don't want to make nasty sounds in the microphone. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys could probably all hear that, couldn't you? <laughs> <coughs> I'm in Camarillo. <laughs> we have trees and pl flowers and pollen. It's wonderful. 
Open to Matthew 26. Think about Jesus. Who was Jesus? Jesus was the Son of God. Was Jesus perfect? Yes. Was he the perfect leader? Yes. He was the perfect sacrifice. He never sinned. So why on earth would Jesus choose to be vulnerable? Why would he need to do that? He had no sins to confess. Well, Jesus may have been sinless, but he was weak. Jesus had weakness, as Geo shared, offering up loud cries with tears. He was tempted in every way. Jesus had physical and emotional weakness. So what did Jesus do with it? How was he going to build relationships with the people around him as the perfect leader, as the perfect friend, as the perfect sacrifice, as the son of God? We're about to see that Jesus practiced vulnerability in Matthew 26. We've read this verse many times in the, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's happening is Jesus is about to be betrayed by one of his friends. And he's going to end up having to go through a lot of physical agony, being whipped and then crucified after having to carry his, his cross beam all the way over to the, the crucifixion area, it was going to be very painful. He would be separated from his father, God, for a short time. That was going to be painful. It was going to be a very difficult situation for Jesus. Very challenging time. So how does he choose to deal with it? We've read this before. Let's read it again. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to feel sorrowful and troubled. Weakness. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We've talked about this before. We've learned why he sat. Why is Jesus full of sorrow? He's going to be separated from his father. It's going to be so difficult Imagine what Jesus went through to go through the cross, to go through the torment for us. We've talked about this. It is so important to understand that. So important. Yet how often do we take the time to see this and read it and appreciate what it must have taken for him to say these words? This is hard, pure vulnerability to be able to say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You know, are we willing to copy this vulnerability in our relationships? Jesus was supposed to be the perfect leader. Wasn't he supposed to show that it's important to always have a positive attitude? Wasn't he supposed to be doing that? No! He was the perfect leader. Okay, what would, what, what, you know, in my mind, in my mind, you know, I think of the perfect leader as someone who's always brave, always strong, always courageous, and hides his weakness, or he doesn't show his weakness. You know, how would... How would Jesus have been then? Okay, it's like, okay, guys, bring it in, bring it in, okay? In the garden here, okay, guys, I'm going to go pray over there because prayer is a good thing, all right? Working on my attitude, but anyways, going to go to the cross, going to be tough, going to go, ouch, separation from God, but hey, shake my hand, Mm, it's going to be all right. I'm going to dust it off like the guys in the video, the dads. But that's not what he did at all. He opened his heart and showed his weakness. Why? Because he needed his friends. Stay here. Stay with me. If Jesus needed his friends, and if Jesus felt the need to include his friends in the deepest recesses of his heart, 
don't we need to do the same thing? We have this need, but how in contact are we with this? I've had my own struggles with vulnerability. I'm going to share with a little later about, about myself and, and what vulnerability is, has meant for my life and practicing that. But do we put up a front? Do we act tough? You know what? It's actually <clears throat> not important to always have a positive attitude. You know why? Because Jesus didn't always have a positive attitude. This wasn't a very positive attitude. It's actually kind of a negative attitude. But it was his real attitude. It was what was really happening. He built the close relationship with them. You know, the guys, they, if you read it further, they end up falling asleep. It's really early in the morning. His friends aren't perfect friends. But you see how they were later, defending the cross, defending Jesus, preaching Jesus. You know, you know that Peter, James, and John, their lives were impacted by this, by this moment. I saw the Lord in weakness. I can be weak. I can be weak. You can be weak. There's no shame in it. There's acceptance. There's forgiveness. There's love. There's getting help. Vulner- you know, to be vulnerable like this, to expose one's weakness, has so many practical blessings in it. I've already mentioned multiple times it brings people closer together, but it also diffuses conflict. Like I said, I got married recently. And um, the first, uh, what shall I say, half year was challenging. Very challenging. The first half year. Here is the, here is the, the, the normal situation. Okay, soon it was making dinner, right? I get a call on the phone. Joseph, come to the game. Let's go watch the game. Oh, I'm totally going to go to the game. Yeah, dude, I'll see you in half an hour. Soon it was like, but I'm making food. It's like, give me the food. Thank you for the food. Here you go. Bye-bye. Uh-oh. Get the food. Eat the food. Come home. You know, stumble into the door at one in the morning. She's in bed crying. <laughs> We're never together. Uh-oh. Looks like I did something wrong. Oh, no. Okay, uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, Joseph, I feel like you're never there with me. You just want to get away from me. I feel so unwanted. That was her being vulnerable. It was her being vulnerable with me. That was really important. But I wasn't getting in touch with my own need to be vulnerable. Because why, why was I doing this? I made a habit out of abandoning Suniva, getting away. But that was a symptom of something deeper, something I wasn't sharing, something I wasn't including her in. And what it really was, finally... Finally, I got some help, and I understood, and, and then I had to share this. I am afraid. I'm afraid that if I don't spend, make sure that I separate from you and spend time with my friends, then I'm going to have no friends anymore. I'm afraid. I'm not going to have time for friendships anymore outside of the marriage. And I'm not going to get my needs met being with, you know, good friends with the men in my life, because that's really important to me. And then that's when, that's when it was, no, but I don't... <laughs> I don't want to keep you from your friends. I don't want you to not have friendships. I just want to be with you. I just want to be married to you. That's the vulnerability coming out. It's not a conflict. It's not a, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that. Oh, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. Then it's okay. That's true. Okay, it's 1-1. Okay, I guess we're tied. Then I guess it's okay. The conflict over. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's not how it works. You know, say you're talking about the finances. You know, that's a typical thing to, uh, to have an argument about in marriage. You know, it's, Joseph, I feel like you're being irresponsible with finances. What am I feeling? What am I feeling? What do I need to, what do I need to say? She, she's probably ex- absolutely right, first of all. But what do I need to share back? Okay, say I, that touches something in me, that hits something in me. I'm, it triggers my sense of worthlessness. Because I'm being real with you all right now. I have a problem 
with feeling worthless, personally. I, can, I have a complex. I often lose confidence in myself and feel like I'm, I'm just, I, I, I can't do anything right. I can't do anything good. Say I feel this when she says that. And it's an important thing for her to tell me, obviously. But say I feel that. What do I react? How do I, how do I deal with the situation? Well, you haven't done this. What happens then? Is the conflict over? Okay, well, then it's, like I said, it's tied now, so I guess we can all go to bed happy. You know, no, no. The conflict just keeps going. That's not vulnerability. That's just a counterattack. What am I feeling? What do I, what do I ought to say? Well, maybe it's now is the time to be, to be vulnerable and be real. You know what? You're right. <clears throat> I'm not doing well with finances. I feel like I need help. I feel, I feel like I'm just failing. I feel like I'm just a failure in this aspect of our marriage, and I, and I want help. That's, there's no conflict anymore. Now it's, let's get help. Let's grow. Let's involve other people. Let's involve our friends. That's the healthy vulnerability. That's Jesus' vulnerability. And it brings you closer. It diffuses conflict, and you get down to what's really going on. If you don't do this, if you don't practice this, what ends up happening is you keep fighting each other's Symptoms. Symptoms. Does anyone, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, for example, me wanting to leave the house. That's a symptom of me really doubting that I'm going to be able to get my needs met in my friendships. That was a symptom of that. If we just deal with the symptoms and never get down to the real root, never get down to the real root of what we really feel, what's really going on, it's just going to be like cutting branches off a tree and expecting the tree to fall down. That's never going to happen. You've got to dig down deep in there. And it's not just guys. It's not just the men. We guys, we've got to work on this, but it's also the women. We've got to be vulnerable. Just because you're crying doesn't mean you're being vulnerable. You could be angry crying. <coughs> you know what I'm talking about? The angry cry doesn't mean you're being vulnerable just because a tear is falling. You know? But when you're saying, I feel like I'm not wanted. What do you say then? You're so... No, no. It's vulnerability. I don't feel loved. I want to feel loved by you, yet I don't. That's vulnerability. That's when you're going to heal the relationship. Jesus was vulnerable. That was part one. Part two of two. Only two parts. Part two of two. You know, it's very difficult to practice this, isn't it? Isn't it difficult? A lot of us, like Geo shared, did not grow up this way. Did not see this being practiced. I'm fortunate I grew up seeing this practiced. Very fortunate. Your kids, hopefully, are growing up seeing this practiced, like I did. And that is a wonderful blessing. Yet, it is difficult. It's difficult to practice vulnerability. So what can we do to help each other? In the end of the day, it's your own responsibility whether or not you choose to be real and expose your weakness. It's your responsibility. It's no one else's fault if you don't. Yet, at the same time, we can make it very difficult for each other. Can't we? We can make it really difficult. We can also make it really easy. What kind of person was Jesus? He was the person who made it easy. You see, people being super real with Jesus just met him. Super vulnerable. You know, imagine for a second that your life is difficult. Okay? Finally, people, finally people start laughing a little. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Imagine your life were difficult. No. Your life's hard, just like everyone else's. You're carrying the weight of, of leading your family, of helping your kids. You want them to become Christians. 
You want your spouse to respect you, to love you. You want to have healthy relationships with your friends in the church, and you're feeling like the weight is heavy to bear. You've got to be sacrificial, living like Jesus. It's a heavy weight. It's a heavy burden, okay? And you go to Jesus. Imagine you're living 2,000 years ago. You go to Jesus. You hear him speak. What does he say? Let's open to Matthew 11. Matthew, 28, Matthew 11, verse 28. Verse 28. How does Jesus relate to the weak? Jesus says in verse 28 to the crowd, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You come to Jesus. You're carrying your burdens, your weights of your life. You hear this. What do you say? <sighs> Jesus is ready to accept me. This is the type of person who you're ready to talk to. This isn't the type of person you think to yourself, oh, I better be careful what I share with this person. I better be careful. I better protect myself. We have defense mechanisms that keep us from being vulnerable because we are afraid that we're going to be hurt. Jesus is not radiating that spirit. Jesus is radiating an acceptance, a gentleness, and a humility. Come, and I will give you rest. It's an easy burden. I want to help you. I want to listen to you. I want to know your weakness. Jesus was ready to relate to our weakness. But how are we? How are we in our friendships in our church? between each other. Not just our spouses, but also our friends. How is this? Am I the type of person that people feel secure going to and being real and vulnerable with? Am I that type of person? Here's a little test. One question you can ask yourself. Do people open up to me? Does it happen? Do they expose their real weakness and get deep with you? Well, if not, then maybe... Maybe it's time to reevaluate your way of communicating with your friends. Maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to radiate the same thing that Jesus is radiating, acceptance and love. There are certain things that we do, not just Americans, Norwegians too. There are certain things that we do that break down the trust, that make it difficult for someone to be open, and, and not just open about sin, but open about their deep feelings of weakness with you. What are those things? You know, I wrote down a little list here. Uh, a couple things to think about, typical things that can get in the way. Because what we want to do is we want to foster these relationships. But here's one thing that can get in the way, okay? When your friends are talking to you, you may be in the car, you may be having lunch. It's not necessarily like an appointment to get together and talk about your sins or, or to get together. What we do in the church, we, we get together, we're, we're open, we talk about our weaknesses. We call it discipling time or D group. That's when we get together, you know? To, to help each other. Not just during those times, but outside of those times, are you interested in what your friends are telling you? Because at times, they may reveal themselves to you. Especially in marriage. Suddenly, you're sitting on the couch and you hear, here it comes. Lately, I've been feeling lonely. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm on my, I'm on my Mac here. Oh, yeah, oh. That's rough. You should pray about that. Oh, no! Door closed. That was it. That was your window. It's gone. It's over. Now, who knows when that person is going to feel secure to share with you again. 
Do your friends feel like they have to sit you down and give you a 20-minute prelude before they start talking about their hearts? You know, now we're going to talk. We need to talk about something really important. I'd call you like a week in advance. You know, sometimes there's a time to do that. But let's have a, a, low, a low hurdle for this. Let's make this easy for each other. My wife often tells me this. You know, I'm a good listener when it's, we need to talk. We need to sit down. Or if Suniva is having some emotions, that's when I see and I, okay, I'm, I'm willing to listen now. But many times, Suniva has had problems getting my attention. I'll be playing my video games. I play video games. I grew up in that generation. Okay, I'm 25 years old. Grew up with Mario, with Zelda, all that stuff. I love it. But I'll be playing my video games. Suniva will say something. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. You know, she'll expose her heart, and I won't be interested. And that kills the relationship. Because we need to have a real relationship where we don't just get vulnerable once every six months. But it could be happening whenever we need to. You can't plan the times when you need to be vulnerable. Sometimes it just comes up. It's time to share my heart. Got to share my heart now. You get a sort of alarm bell in your head. But are we, will, are we ready and eager to listen to each other? Or are we distracted? You know, <laughs> or, or say you're sitting in the car with your friend and, you know, he says something like, you know, I feel like a failure. And then it's, oh, really? That's, that's rough. Turn, oh, this song's really good. Let me turn this up. Oh, that's good. Door closed. Let's not be that way. Let's listen. Let's pick up on these things. Have some, have some antennae. We call, in Norway, we call them antennae. Social antennae, that means, you're, that means you're listening, you're actively listening, you're seeing what's going on behind the words. Let's grow some antennae, all right? And it's not just, it's again, not just men, it's also women. It's also women, okay? Come on, girls. So here, here's another one. Here's another one. Are you wise and full of wisdom? Are you a smart person who has much experience in life? Do you have lots of great solutions to share? When people tell you their problems, were you given the gift of wisdom, the gift of experience? Well, do you offer a quick solution, quick advice? Oh, you got to do this when your friend is being vulnerable with you. That kills it. We may feel like we're helping somebody, you know, but we're not. Cut them off in mid-sentence. Oh, I know what you should do. You should have five Bible studies, five Bible studies. That'll help you in your evangelism. Uh, What? You haven't even listened to me. I don't feel listened to. I don't feel secure with you. Let's not be those people. I've done this many times in the marriage. Joseph, would you just let me finish? And I'll say, I know what you're going to say. And <laughs> so I'll say, what was I going to say? Well, you were going to say, nope, wasn't going to say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I lost that one. You know, that happens a lot with me. And it discourages the real relationship. We don't want to be people that just give snap advice. You know, you should do this, you should do that. It's, that's not the point of vulnerability anyway. The point of vulnerability is, to be, is that your friend is listening to you and is ready to embrace you and accept you. You know, this, I will admit now, this is mostly a man problem. Okay? mostly a man problem. Because women, what do they say all the time? Honestly, I don't really want a solution. I just want to feel listened to. Has anyone ever heard this before? Anyone ever heard this? Why are the women clapping suddenly? 
Suddenly the women are clapping for this. Sometimes they just need to feel like you're there listening to them. And then the solution, isn't the solution oftentimes very obvious? You know, isn't it usually I ought to invest in my relationship with God? You know, I got to be practice vulnerability more often is often the solution. (laughs) You know, but if we're just going to take off each other's heads, so to speak, or say, or give a rebuke when someone's being real. Rebuke is not for when someone's being super real, when someone's exposing their weakness. A rebuke is when someone's not exposing their weakness. That's when the rebuke comes. You're not opening up. And I want to be your friend. I want to be there for you, but I can't help you if you don't let me in. Let's be those people. Here's another one. It's a very simple one. Do you give people the opportunity to be vulnerable with you? Sometimes it's all you need. A question. How are you doing? You know, not, hey, what's up? How you doing? I mean, that's, there's a time for that. Obviously, when you're at church, you can't just have a deep conversation with everybody. There's always a time for, what's up? Yeah, that's cool. But when, when, when do we come out with the, hey, how are you? How's it going? <laughs> I feel so alone. Okay, let's talk over there. Let's talk together. Sometimes it's all I need. Sometimes it's all you need. It's just to know that someone has a listening, someone saying, I'm inviting you now. And sometimes we don't always need to expose our weakness and be vulnerable, but sometimes we do. And sometimes it's as simple as giving your friend or your spouse an opportunity and, and, and helping them to feel like they're going to be listened to. So these were the, um, you know, we want to practice, we want to be like Jesus. By the way, I was going to read the proverb. <laughs> Skipped over it. I was going to read a proverb when it comes to giving quick advice. Proverbs 20 verse 5 is a really great proverb. In fact, I want to just read that real quick. When it comes to, you know, the snap judgment, the I'm going to fix your problems before really listening. Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. That's a good theme verse for if, you, if you're having a problem with doing that. Because what are we going to do? We ought to be quick to... Listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's also this verse, drawing out the deep waters, especially us guys. Women, of course, if you, if you feel hit by this, you got to practice that too, obviously. So Jesus was the person who people felt comfortable being vulnerable with because he was ready to accept them. You read about his conversations with people who are sick, people who are poor. They're pouring out their lives to him. He's listening to them. He's being a good friend. Let's imitate this. I want to share, in conclusion, I want to share a little bit about my life. Since 2008, my friendships in our church in Bergen were on the plummeting, just on the decline. It was not going well. I felt misunderstood. My friends felt misunderstood. I felt unloved. My friends felt abandoned. My friends felt like they weren't trusted. I felt this. They felt that. It was really bad. Actually, It was bad for about two years, two long years. Bad, just friendship going down, spiraling down because of misunderstanding and poor communication. And that's, these are my closest friends too. Has this ever happened to you? We get close friends in the church. The friendship starts to take a dip. Something's going on, something's wrong. There are hurt feelings. There was a conflict that didn't get resolved. There's something happening Trust is starting to fade. I don't want to be with this person very much anymore. 
And, it, and it, what does it do? It tears us apart. Because what do we really feel? We really feel like, I want to be this person's friend. I respect this person. I want to be their friend. Yet I feel so misunderstood. And what's your friend thinking? Probably the exact same thing. So it was just needless conflicts and, and terrible atmosphere. And just, I was starting to get depressed over it. Because um, really, these friendships meant a lot to me. And finally, finally, we uh, received some teaching in the church over there. We received some teaching on vulnerability, how that's what heals relationships when it gets to, this, to that point. So we were listening. We were listening to this. And so finally, we said, okay, let's try this. Let's stop trying to tell each other, this is what you're doing wrong. This is the way you're hurting me. This is how you've sinned against me. And then it's, well, this is how you've sinned against me. And this is how you've sinned against me. That's not vulnerability. That's all it was. And it was supposed to be feeling better after that. But some, for some reason, it just never, that wasn't helping. So finally, we sat down and we got super real. It was, I feel so worthless when I'm with you. And I love you and I respect you. And I want to be your friend so much. I want to learn from you. I want, I want to walk with you. You know, and then it's tears start flowing. And then it's, then it's, I've always, you know, I'm being told, I've always loved you. I've always believed in you. I've just wanted to help you. I haven't known really how to do it. I've been doing it in a poor way. And then, you know, it's, <laughs> but it's, that's when it starts to heal. Since then, friendships are awesome. Much better. Much better. I was even considering leaving the city and moving back to America because of how bad it was eventually. And finally we healed, and I feel much, much better about my friendships now. And it was, it was actually the whole time we just loved each other and respected each other and wanted to be close, but we were just missing, missing the target. Does this sound, maybe this sounds familiar to you. Maybe there are some real talks that need to happen between you and your friends. I don't know. I'm not thinking of any specific situations. But... In your, in your, okay, I define what a D group is. <laughs> in your D group, in your group where you get together with your friends in the church, is there a need now maybe to have a conversation where it's, let's heal now. Let me tell you, I want to tell you how, how I feel. And let's remember to do so respectfully. It's not, I feel like you're a jerk. <laughs> I feel like you're super mean and immature. I mean, <laughs> That's not me. You know, that's just hilarious. That's just going to make it worse. No, I feel... <laughs> that's just going to make it worse. No, it's, 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 you know, you show your own weakness. They show their weakness. You embrace and you move on. Let's follow Jesus' example in our church. Let's always have these close relationships with each other. Let's not put up walls. Let's be vulnerable and let's be friends that encourage vulnerability. Thank you very much.